Welcome back to the Corner 3 Show. Finally, I have RJ Garcia back on the line. What's up, brother? Good, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, our last episode aired on February 4th, 2020, when the world was a different place. Um, We were talking about Kobe Bryant, the players' reaction, uh, the NBA playoff landscape. We're talking about the the all-star teams. And right now we're living in a completely different world, but um, sports are back, and that's why we're back, and we're very excited to be here and talk about the fact that in the middle of a global pandemic, we have sports coming back to hopefully save the day. And I would, and I would, I think an important caveat here is this: this is American sports coming back. I mean, us EPL lovers have had that back for a couple of weeks. And if you really want to get technical with it, the Bundesliga has already finished their year. So <laughs> I think it is important while we are in the midst of this global pandemic to show, like, you know, it could have been a bit earlier. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, yeah, well, that that's one one way of looking at it. Um, I, I am interested in, in getting into that a little bit um, because even just watching these these baseball games and and the NBA um, started some scrimmages as well. I can't help but worry um, that these seasons are actually going to finish. And and the the place I want to start with is really the whole thing with Juan Soto yesterday. Obviously, superstar player for the Washington Nationals, big part of their championship last season. And just hours before the home opener, and not just the home opener, but the league opener uh, last night, he tested positive for COVID-19, and the game went on as usual. Um, So the interesting, let's just go through the timeline of events here. He last played in an exhibition game on Tuesday. And that was the same day that he actually tested for COVID uh, along with the rest of the team. And it was Thursday, two days later, when he received a positive test and the rest of the team continued to play. Now, he was spending time around all of the team, obviously, um, up to the first test and after the first test. He he basically lives with these guys. He spends, he spends all day with them. Um, most people say that they're not usually masked in, in practice and, and definitely not in the games. If you watch the games, they're not masked. So to me, it, it doesn't really make sense that someone could test positive on a Thursday and then all of these players who have been exposed to him can now expose themselves to all of the Yankees players on Thursday before any of them are tested again. And the greatest irony of it was uh, Dr. Fauci throwing out the first pitch of the game. Uh, and you got to think if this protocol was run by him, he wouldn't think it was the right thing to do. So do I think another important part of what you just said there is, I think we have to have a conversation with ourselves. Obviously, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Dr. Fauci. He's done some incredible things. but So when can we talk about that first pitch? Because, I mean, that's up there with, with, uh, it was with 50 cent. cent. It was 50 cent level. Yeah. Now he's 78, right? So you got to give him some credit, some slack. But at the same time, not great. You know what? Here's a spin zone for you. If it was a great pitch, that would probably tell me that he was spending way too much time practicing his first pitch and not focusing on the health and well-being of American citizens. That is wow. That's incredible. You figured that out right there. That was that's just <laughs> quick-witted. Anyways, um, I mean, I think that 
what we're going to see in this country is I think that the teams that are not bubbling are going to have a tough time handling this. And, and I think that one thing that's kind of come up, I mean, it seems like the MLS bubble is working now. It had some kinks at the start, but they've been testing um, pretty much close to zero. And if, I think there was one person that had a false positive or inconclusive tests. Um, the NBA obviously has a lot more money than the MLS and has been able to be pretty successful. Um, but I just think that it's one of these things where if you're out in public in these different places in the country, there's just so many different standards of procedure for these different areas, just with the kind of state by state regulations. And I think the biggest thing that has come up with this um with this Juan Soto test, and this is something that the nationals actually prominently were bringing up before the season, was that he took this test on Tuesday and didn't get his results until Thursday morning. I mean, that seems like the, the biggest failure here. If you're going to be having a two-day waiting period for your tests, then you're going to have whatever it is. That, that's two days of potential risk for everybody on the teams. So I think that we'll see with baseball. And I think the other question is how much of this is, turns out to be like, okay, they don't really care. And they're just going to go get this money. And everybody wants to go get this money. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, I would say personally, I've been pretty in, pretty positive about the way the NBA has done it. I've been really impressed. Um, you kind of see, and again, we'll see how long these players are okay with it. I mean, I guess you can go fishing a couple of times and it's still fun, but there's only so many times you can kind of do all the random stuff that's there. I mean, if these guys are really looking at it as such a business trip, then I guess that's one thing. But, um, I mean, the NBA has it pretty locked down there. If you watch the vlogs by Matisse Thibault or... Um, JaVale McGee, you kind of see how locked down they are. But I just, it's hard to know, right, outside of this bubble setup, how all of this is going to work. Unless that we just say, fuck them, let's just make the money. And I think the NFL will do that, right? But I think baseball might be have a bit of a harder time doing that if there's a mass case increase. Yeah, so another funny part of last night's game was a game when, you know, I'm not the only one that, that thought that it was a little bit weird at, at the very least that they were going through with the game. Uh, and then of course there's a torrential downpour storm right, right in the middle of the game that, that ruins it for ESPN and everyone else. But um, one of the things that really made, made it extra weird is yes, it's opening day. It's an event, but it's not like normal sports that we're used to where, you know, you have 40,000 paying fans showing up to the game. I mean, right. You, you literally are not going back on a single ticket. Right. Um, it, it's very weird that they're being so nonchalant with this already at this juncture in the season. I mean, is it even technically count as a juncture if it's the, the very start of the season? Um, but yes, I agree that, that I'm a little more optimistic about the NBA, just seeing how locked down they are with it. And obviously they're not wearing masks during the game or anything like that, but you at least get the sense that uh, whatever is being spread through the NBA community, which uh, I think eventually something will will be spread, um, you really, you it, it's not going to get. Uh, uh, I think it would be difficult not to, but we'll see. We'll see how well they lock it down. Um, like here's the here's the reason whatever why spreads that, right? within them is not going to spread without them, if that makes sense. And and it's going to be a lot harder for for anything to get in if they're as locked down as it seems like they are. 
Right. I mean, I mean, I think the reason why I say I, I make that question is just the whole point of the kind of their bubble system is to make sure, OK, nothing gets in. Right. And I think that when you look at the procedures, like when, let's say when Zion Williamson comes back because he left the bubble. Right. He's going to have to he's going to have to quarantine in his room, in his hotel room alone, not talking to anybody for at least four days and up to 10 days. And that's essentially how they're handling it with every single person that's entering it, whether it's media, whether it's whoever. Right. So. I just think that that's kind of the reason why this has been succeeding. And I don't know if there will be a test um, positive. But I do think the one thing that's interesting is you kind of brought up this earlier point about the no tickets. Um, there is a part of me that wonders just like these donors never really wanted there to be a season in the first place because they are actually losing money with this season. Because, again, like you said, 40,000 people aren't there. And even more importantly, you see all those luxury suites. They're all empty. And you just kind of wonder, it's just like a situation where like the owners are kind of okay if the season gets called at some point. And and maybe that's being too like negative, but I just think that when you do think about this like from a financial perspective, I have to imagine this is not going to be a good year for these MLB owners. And I think you can see it right in the sale of the Mets, right? This is a this is an ownership group that had no interest in selling the coronavirus. Well, they wanted to sell, but they wanted to hold control for like five, ten years afterwards coronavirus comes and now they're essentially desperate to sell they're dropping all of their conditions they have before and they're going to make less money so i think that's kind of something that's pretty telling about where we are right now now meanwhile you have the dodgers giving 350 million dollars to mookie bats but that's neither here nor there um yeah <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying i think that uh, like i said before i'm a little more worried about baseball than basketball just considering the way they seem to be treating it I think once NFL comes back, that seems like the kind of sport that will do everything they can to have the season uh, no matter what. Although it could be pretty easy for those players to be masked during the games. Will that happen? I don't know. But uh, a lot of those players wear masks during the game just to look cool. Uh, and now right. we'll see if they, they do it when they're when they're forced to. Okay, so we did want to get into a little bit of actual sports talk, not will the sports happen talk. Um, so talking about baseball, we have a very, very interesting season, assuming all goes according to plan. Only 60 regular season games, and we're going to have 16 teams making the playoffs, which is pretty unheard of. We're going to have all the division winners, all the second place division teams, and some wild card teams. So what that does is it makes it completely wide open. You've got only a 60-game regular season where variance is going to just run wild, um, even I'm looking at some of the projected war rankings for, for some of these MLB pitchers in preparation for our, for our fantasy draft that you guys are going to hear in a bit, but the highest projected war for a pitcher this season is 2.4 last season. It was 7.4. So you just kind of get the idea of, uh, superstar players aren't really going to be able to have as big of an impact in such a shortened season, uh, potentially. I think they'll still have the impact. It's just everything's a little bit more condensed. And if one player misses one start, then it's so, so much more of an impact. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, there's no reason why the superstar players would be any less valuable unless they get hurt for even a short period well, of time. Well, my, my point, more my point was, let's say, look at a guy like Jacob deGrom. So last season for the Mets, he actually had a couple of bumpy starts uh, in the early season. He gave up I don't know, eight runs one game to the Minnesota Twins. He, he looked pretty rusty. Uh, he ends up winning the Cy Young. Why? Because he had 30 or so starts. Uh, this season, 
even the star players, I don't know, Mike Trout, let's say he has a week or two when he has a slump. Uh, that could completely take him out of the MVP conversation. It could take the Angels out of the playoff conversation. So that's kind of my point. Uh, there's going to be yeah. so much variance and so many different things happening. And with 16 teams making the playoffs, all bets are off. It's going to be very fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think it's just more of a variance thing more so than like the underlying talent's the same, right? Yeah. It's just, okay, does it end up hitting this week or next week? And I don't know if that's necessarily the way – I don't think that's specific for superstar players or non-superstar players. That's just going to be the world we live in when you catch you catch fire for two two weeks and now yourself find yourself in the all-star game or whatever the equivalent would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and we'll see. I mean, looking at some of these playoff odds, it's pretty wild how many teams have well, a really good chance. Well, I think that's the most. I think that's the, kind of the untalked about thing here is like the night <laughs> the season starts last night. We hear murmurs on Wednesday night that they might expand the playoffs, and then I don't know noon on Thursday, right before the gate season starts, they just say, "All right." We're going to add six more teams to the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's very weird that these things are still being decided. But, hey, uh, looking right now at the Fangraphs playoff odds for this season, every single division in baseball except for the NL West has three teams with playoff odds above 50%. So that's yep. pretty wild, um, especially cons- uh, especially when you compare it to what it would look like in a normal season. But I mean, that makes it a lot more fun for, for a lot of these fans who uh, root for middling teams. I don't know if you're not, not to call anyone out, but if you're a white Sox fan, if you're a Red Sox fan this season, an angels <laughs> fan, uh, Cardinals, Reds, these are teams that are like on the bubble. And now all of a sudden they're right in the thick of things. Cause you come in second place in your division, you, Obviously, there will be seeding and things of that nature, but I don't think those matter too much in a baseball playoff. You essentially will have a, a similar chance to a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees. Um, yeah. So it's going to be pretty crazy. It's going to be who gets hot at the right time, who gets lucky with all the variants, who stays healthy, who has a random player who just turns up in the middle of nowhere and has a three-week streak that can basically make or break a World Series. And you know, there are going to be a lot of parts of baseball that aren't as fun. I'm, I'm going to miss seeing all the fans in the crowd going wild after a strikeout or a home run. But with sports being gone and baseball being gone for so long, we're going to take what we can get. And there are, are certain aspects of the season that I think are going to be extremely exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be an interesting test case for baseball. A lot of people have suggested they should shorten the season. I personally am not one of those people. But I will see, it'll be, we'll say it'll be pretty interesting to see how these – how these um, games do from a kind of a television standpoint, because obviously sure there's going to be nothing else on TV for a little bit, but at some point there's going to be a lot of stuff they're competing with, with football, basketball, hockey. And so if they can still stand out and just, it shows that people still care about like care more about the 60 game season, then that might be something that they should might be wanted to look into from a business side to potentially lower some of this um, risk. But I think one thing, one a couple other things to point out from what you're talking about with these potential changes for the 16 game season. I'm sorry, 16 team um, playoff. So what's interesting is watching how hard these top teams' odds to win the World Series have been nuked. So the top, the most, the highest percent chance of any team to win the World Series per FanGraphs right now is 15%, which is the Dodgers. 
And and I think the reason why this has happened is that what they're going to do is that the first round of the playoffs now is going to be a three-game series across the board. And so it's going to be one versus eight in a three-game series. Well, the Dodgers can lose a three-game series to the Rockies or the Giants or the Pirates or the Cardinals or whoever it might be. Yep. And I think that's something that's, like, kind of insane. <laughs> and, you know, as somebody like myself who likes to assume that there is – value in a championship and like not think that it's just coin flips like obviously this is gonna be the most coin flippy championship of all time now it's also gonna be pretty fun just because the world is what it is so might as well just throw everything to the wind but the other thing that i find fascinating is that even with 16 teams and it being baseball and all the other factors that go into it the orioles 1.6 percent chance to make the playoffs (laughs) Hey, uh, 1.6% is infinitely more than 0%. So, you know what? Shock the world, Orioles. Go get it. Take what's would, yours. Honestly, a Orioles World Series would really just pin this all. That would be really great. I mean, that's what I, I think if it's not the Mets, that's what I'm rooting for. I mean, obviously, I like the Orioles, but still, that would just be so funny. <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's pivot a little bit. We had some good good, good sports talk. It's great to be back, and I'm even more excited to be back to our fantasy drafts, as as our listeners know, or as the new listeners need to know, we do a fantasy draft every episode. Uh, can be something completely different this time. With baseball being back, we figured we would draft some rotations. So each of us will choose five starting pitchers. We will build our dream rotation for the shortened 2020 baseball season. And we will, as always, throw that poll up on Twitter and see if I win like usual. So um, last time, I believe I actually had the first pick um, back in February. So, RJ, are you prepared to get this started? And, and as always, we'll snake draft. So so RJ will choose first. I'll choose the next two. He'll choose the next two um, once we until, until we all have five pitchers. Well, I'm prepared to take – Raining Cy Young, and Not obviously weak. there's two of them. But I think it's I think that Derek knows exactly which one I'll be taking. Going to be starting against the Braves today, Jacob Degrom. I mean, what is there to say about this guy? I mean, essentially been the face of the Mets franchise since David Wright has left. Um, has put up some of the most some of the highest WAR seasons from a pitcher that we've seen in in recent history. And obviously plays for my favorite team, the New York Mets. So that is where I'm going with this. I'm going with Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, absolutely dominant year as usual last season with Jacob DeGrom. Uh, He throws damn hard and he hits his spots. And sometimes it's just that simple. Um, That is correct. All right. So I guess you get the the more difficult decision out of the way for me because there are two, two top Cy Young guys that you could really go either way with. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take Garrett Cole. Um, I'm really, I'm really hoping that he has an absolutely terrible season this year, but I wouldn't bet that he will. So uh, obviously the new face of the Yankees just got paid. Pretty sure he's the highest-paid pitcher in baseball right now, something like 320 million dollars on that contract. Uh, is it well deserved? It definitely will be for the first few years. The guy's an absolute stud. He actually led all of baseball in WAR last season, even more than Jacob Degrom. And Fangraphs has him predicted to do the same thing this year in the shortened season. So, um, you know what? I'm, I'm happy to add him to my non-Yankee roster. And then 
who do I want to put next to him? Uh, there, there are a few different directions I could go. There, there are some some guys that are on the older on the older side, but um, you know Max Scherzer, he he got actually roughed up a little bit last night. Who knows if you know the competitiveness level was down with no fans in the stands. I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe he's just a little bit rusty. But or maybe that lineup is just kind of incredible. Maybe the Yankees lineup is pretty filthy. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. But you know what? I think I think Max Scherzer is is still the third best pitcher in the game right now. Um, I think there there are a couple of other guys, even even one of his rotation mates that I could have gone with here, and we'll see what you decide to do. But uh, Max Scherzer is one of the most Whew, he's one of the scariest pitchers to ever face down, and I'm glad I've never had to do it. And I'm lucky to put him next to Garrett Cole in this rotation. That's a good pick. It's not where I would have gone, and I'm happy with that because now I get to pick make make my selection. I'm going Justin Verlander. Um, I think Talk about you, old. Well, uh, the spin rates are still good, right? I mean, all of I mean, he's got one of the most unhittable fastballs that we've seen. Again, relating to what I just said, he's got some of the most elite spin rates that we've seen from a pitcher, something that's really become all the craze in the MLB. Um, I think that, I mean, when he when he has a bad year, right? I mean, that's when, when we'll know. I guess he had one like maybe four or five years ago, but completely rebounded. But I think starting off with DeGrom and Verlander, I'm very happy with that. And, um, you know, I think the next place I'm going to go, and I know that you're ragging on me for having too old of a staff, so I will make it young. I will spice it up, and I will go with somebody the Nationals could have on their rot- in their rotation right now, but instead have Adam Eaton, and that is Lucas Giolito. Wow. A complete stud who just has an amazing curveball, throws incredibly hard, and... Um, just I'm a big fan of his game. Yeah, interesting pick there. Of course, there's there's a lot of different options. I think Giolito, um, who, as you mentioned, was traded from the Nationals, is an absolute stud and will continue to be with with his young age. Uh, still, their their rotation is is doing pretty well without him. But uh, yeah, Lucas Giolito. Okay, so Degrom, Verlander, Giolito. Um, I don't think I want three Nationals in my rotation, but. <laughs> <laughs> and a Yankee. Oh, oh, brutal. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Steven Strasburg. Um, I think it's the right move here. I think Steven Strasburg is one of the elite pitchers in the game still. Obviously he also just recently got paid and he, he, he put up a great year last year, obviously on the way to a championship. Um, but there, you know, it was, it was just as debatable. You could have said that he was the best pitcher in the rotation over Scherzer. Um, I don't know if I would say that, but a 3.2 FIP last year, his K per nine is above 10 just about every single season. The guy strikes out people like crazy and he's finally been able to stay healthy. So he's an exciting guy to watch and I'm going to add him into my back end. Uh, I guess, I guess not technically back end just yet, but when we shorten our playoff rotation, we'll be in the back end. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I can't, I can't pick another, another nationals player. Um, so let me pivot here. Um, I, th- you know what? I think, I think a good pick here would be Blake Snell from the Rays, who had an absolute godly season a couple years ago, um, in his Cy Young race, but, uh, still, still dominating last year with the Rays who continue to fly under the radar. And he is the face of that team. If they have a face. Um, Blake Snell, 
um, who, if, who, if you don't know who he is, you're, you're either not an AL East fan or, or you're not a baseball fan at all. And, and look him up because he is – he has been debatably the best. You want to Cy Young, man. You want to yeah. Cy Young. I think no, people yeah. know who he is. I, I think plenty of – I think you'd be surprised. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think plenty of people still don't know who they are if they're – who he is if they're casual baseball fans. Um, and that kind of just encapsulates the, the Rays experience, uh, a team that just consistently has been winning 90 games and, and basically hasn't gotten any show for it. So uh, he encapsulates that squad, and he's going to make my rotation, which is already looking unbelievable. Oh, my God. Well, I sure hope so. You're picking the 10 best pitchers in baseball. I sure hope you're able to put together an unbelievable Well, right now I have the four best pitchers. I don't know what okay. you've been doing. Really? Really? So you think the Grom is not in the top five? Really? Really? Is that, is that where we're going here? Oh, man. No, just keep it rolling. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to close out my rotation with two studs that are a little bit different. Um, I am going to start by taking Walker Bueller from the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, pairing up with Mookie Betts. And um, this is a kid that, again, is young, so maybe Justin can uh, – Give him a little of a mentorship, but um, has just an overwhelming fastball that just sits 96, 97 miles an hour. Um, and, he, you know, he started off his career and he had a curveball they threw a lot, but he's kind of moved off of that. And he's re- he's in- introduced this cutter that is just out of this world strong. So I think Walker Bueller, I mean, somebody that the Dodgers I know are looking to be part of their team for a very very long time and uh i want him to be part of this rotation the dodgers find all these guys by the way i mean they had dustin may going last night like picking up the slack for an injured clayton kershaw just mowing people down they got walker bueller 25 years old just dominating well it's almost Uh, like they've got the best general manager in baseball and andrew friedman i mean they just gave Andrew Friedman money, which is like really should not have been allowed. They're like somebody should have just kind of stepped in and said that you can't do that. Yeah, I mean Walker Bueller, you mentioned his cutter. I just I just looked up his his stack cast profile. Cutter sitting between 90 and 97 miles per hour last yeah. year. Um, pretty darn unhittable when the league average is 88 miles per hour. Yeah, I mean I think that's the other thing that's kind of interesting. This is kind of a side note, but when you start when you look at some of these pitchers, especially some of these young pitchers, I mean how hard they throw the baseball and how consistently hard they're able to kind of get it there is just unbelievable. I remember when when Noah Syndergaard used to throw the baseball. Yeah, right? Yeah. (laughs) And when you've got sliders and cutters that are coming in 88 up with a 97-mile-per-hour fastball, I mean, how on earth do you hit that stuff? All right, so with my fifth pick, I am in my last pick. I am going to be taking another young stud, someone that – People have said it had the best second half of the season, maybe of all time, and that is Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, someone obviously in his first full, well, I guess I guess the second full year. I mean, I was just thinking above 170 innings, but um, with the Cardinals last year, putting up a 2.75 ERA, 4.7 WAR, um, in 24 years old, kind of. Really has a high-quality fastball slider and the curveball. Um, so I think that that is a perfect way to round it out. I've got a little bit of the old. i got a little bit of the young. And that's a good place to be. 
So, so I have a chance now to round out my rotation, and I, I promised myself that I won't take another Nationals pitcher. So I'm going to go a different direction and take another young, exciting star, up-and-coming pitcher in baseball, and that's Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds, not the same Luis Castillo that dropped the pop-up against the Yankees when I was at the game and, and one of the worst days of my life. No, this is a different Luis Castillo. Um one that actually has been able to overwhelm hitters in different ways. He actually only has three pitches. His fastball is – it's hard, um, but but the real thing is the difference between his fastball and his other pitches. His fastball averaging around 97 and his changeup averaging around 87. So uh, good luck when, when he goes back and forth and you look at his profile, dominating, dominating batters left and right. He's 27, which, um, you know, it's not – he's not a baby. He's not – he's not – brand new green faced, but he's pretty new and he, he's, he's coming onto the scene strong. And I think that, I think that he's going to have a big year next year or, or this year uh, with a chance to really break out in this shortened season, his strikeout rate, even better than, than what I was going off uh, before actually right out which Steven Strasburg had. They're both around 10.7 uh, K per nine last year. Uh, but Luis Castillo, really fun to watch. I had a chance to watch him a couple live games last year. Um, absolutely dominating stuff, and then the rest of his team was was not super good. But, hey, uh, the Reds actually uh, dark horse for the playoffs this year, over 50% chance, like I mentioned. All right, so just wrapping up these rotations now. So RJ's squad, Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, Lucas Giolito, Walker Bueller, and Jack Flaherty. My rotation Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Blake Snell, and Luis Castillo. My goodness, that team would go 60-0. and 0. Um, <laughs> So as usual, we're, we're throwing the polls up on the Twitter sphere. And you know what? It's really great to be back here. Sports are, are such a big part of our lives, of course, and, and not just our lives, but everyone else's. And we're hoping that they can, they can succeed in their push to return and bring some normalcy back to the world. I agree, man. I mean, and I honestly just like on some level I was I was bringing this up was just over the last three months, I haven't really had anything uh, besides work. That's like a scheduled time. Like, OK, this is occurring now. It's just been very blah. It can occur whenever. So it's pretty nice to have like, OK, seven o'clock LeBron versus Luca, seven oh five Nationals versus Yankees. Like that was pretty nice. And today, four o'clock Mets versus the Braves. So I, it's it's just really great to be back. I agree, man. It's great to be back on the pod as well, and and we'll be back soon, hopefully, to chat some basketball. Yeah. Later, brother. That's right. See ya. Have a good one.